What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. to another edition of Football 24-7. He's John McMullen, and I'm your guy, Tony. This is the second. Always appreciate you guys for locking in on the content. Make sure you guys continue to smash that like button. Make sure you guys are subscribed to Jacob Sports, and also make sure you guys are checking out the other content that Jacob Sports is providing on jacobsports.com. That's J-A-K-I-B sports.com. There you'll find writing from John McMullen himself. You'll find writing from Paul Diamond, which the, the, the legendary Hall of Fame voter. He's giving you guys a full stat package every week. And on top of that, we have our guy Joe Santiliquido providing you guys with a lot of context about your 11-1 and Philadelphia Eagles. So, John, it's Saturday. It's 2.03 p.m. Eastern time. How are you feeling right now, my man? Ah, uh, Christmas season. Little, little hurried, little rushed to go around doing anything. Not that concerned about the football game on Sunday. I assume that's that's what you're talking about. But no, I mean, look, I mean, Brian Dayball's done a tremendous job with the New York Giants. Uh, Mike Kapka, our old friend, has done a tremendous job as offensive coordinator. Wink Martindale, but uh, you know. They came into the season sort of in a rebuild, rebuild mode, overachieved early, and now kind of had that market correction, and they're banged up. So, I mean, there's a big talent disparity between these two teams. 
and that's if the Giants were healthy, and they're not close to being healthy. Um, so, you know, the Eagles would have to shoot themselves in the foot, even even on the road, to lose this football game. Very similar to Washington, but that's how they lost their one game. But they, a lot of things would have to go wrong. Yeah, it's funny because you think about that Washington game, and you mentioned so many things had to go wrong for them to lose that game, and still, in the end, they had a legit shot to win oh, that yeah. game. So I guess when it comes to the Giants, right, I, well, let's approach it from this angle. The Philadelphia Eagles made a lot of moves to essentially supplement that loss, you know, to bounce back from that loss. And you would think the blueprint would be out on this Philadelphia Eagles team the way the Washington football team or the commanders attack them. But again, so many variables had to come into play for that game to happen the way it did. So – Again, these this this Philadelphia Eagles team is eleven and one, and they're showing no signs of slowing down. And like like you, I agree. I don't think the New York Giants have enough bullets in the gun to deal with the Philadelphia Eagles team this versatile. You know, just speak on how difficult it is right now to deal with this Philadelphia Eagles team that's making everything appear simple, but it's extremely much more complex than what it leads on to be. Yeah, I mean, you know, anybody looking at the Washington game as some kind of blueprint, well, you'd have to have, you know. You know, you'd have to have that amazing time of possession. You'd have to have the Eagles turning over the football uh, consistently and as the number one ranked turnover ratio team. Uh, you'd have to have uh, poor situational football, poor coaching decisions. That's not a blueprint. That's uh, that's, you know, I said it, you know, Washington didn't beat the Eagles. The Eagles beat the Eagles. The Eagles beat themselves. Um and, and if they would have played their C game, they would have won that football game. Forget about the A game. Um, they played an F game. So that's not a blueprint. Um, this is the best team in football. This is the most well-rounded team in football. Um, and they can come at you in so many different ways, both offensively and defensively. Um you know, if the offense isn't having a good day, maybe the defense beats you, vice versa. And offensively, it could be the running game, could be the passing game. You don't know where it's going. It's going to be interesting to see Wink Martindale because I always joke he's the defensive coordinator a lot, as, a lot of Eagles fans would want. You know, he's the guy that's going to blitz off the buses. You know, he's going to come. Um, Giants are by far um, – uh, the, the blitz the most in the NFL by a wide margin. They're almost a old school team, a lot of single high safety, a lot of man coverage, exactly what a lot of Eagles fans want, except I would remind that portion of the fan base. There's one team with the second ranked defense in the NFL coming into this game. And there's one team with the 23rd ranked defense in the NFL coming in this game. And you can guess which one is which. Yeah, it's funny because as much as people would like the Philadelphia Eagles to blitz and kind of mirror what Wink Wink Martindale does on defense, if you look at the numbers, the the teams that blitz the most in the the NFL aren't the teams that are really in the mix for the playoffs, if you really want to put it in perspective. So blitzing doesn't necessarily equate to winning. The numbers tell you that. Um, Wink Martindale is going to have a head full. This team runs a lot of of 11 personnel. And – they're running it at a pretty high rate, high, at a higher rate than they have earlier in the season, at a higher rate they ran it last, than last season. They're running it at a 71% clip. And 
they're able to deploy so many different looks out of it on any, on any given Sunday against any given opponent. So speak on how dangerous that can be, especially with the fact, especially with the type of personnel the Philadelphia Eagles have, and you compare it to the personnel that the New York Giants have. Because again, they're so versatile, they're able to deploy so many different looks. It's really hard for a team to really game plan against something like this. That again, they look it looks so simple, but they're able to displace and manipulate defenses with you know with their use of the eleven personnel. You know, can you speak on that and how it translates to this Giants game? Yeah, well, I wouldn't get too caught up in the, in the formation aspect of it. That you know, the personnel groupings have spiked. It, it, you know. I think they're tenth in the league and eleven personnel. Don't don't get me wrong. Right. The Eagles, the Eagles would prefer uh, to play eleven personnel as much as possible because that's sort of the way the modern NFL is going now. For this particular team, it's spiked in in the absence of, of Dallas Goddard, so the numbers are a little bit skewed. They're playing more eleven without Dallas Goddard, which is understandable. Um, you know, they're also they also play 13 personnel more than most teams, and that gets skewed as well because now they don't have Dallas Goddard and they can't really play three tight ends a lot, and then obviously affects 12 as well. Um, so it's not about the personnel groupings, it's about you know what you run out of the personnel grouping. Sometimes you you might run the same play out of eleven and twelve. On one particular day, you, you don't want to show the same thing. So that's how sort of Dink Sirianni and Shane Steichen manipulate things. So, you know, early in the season, when they came out in 12, they threw a lot because, you know, teams are thinking, oh, they're going to run. They got two tight ends on the field. But Dallas Goddard is a matchup nightmare. So that's what that's more of what they do. And, and they run early in the season. They ran a lot of 11 because people are thinking, and even empty sets, you know, you would see, uh, you know, maybe Miles Sanders start outside, rotate back inside. Um, people thinking, oh, they're passing them all. They run it because of the strength on the offensive line. More than the, the actual formations, the key is what the Eagles do out of the formations and they try to manipulate it, it teams into thinking they're going to do one thing and they do the opposite. So, but the offense as a whole is it, it it's a pretty simple offense. It's an RPO based offense. Um, and you know, they, they have better players than everybody else. So that's the key to success uh, with this offense. Yeah. It's funny. You say that one play that stands out to me is from that Tennessee Titans game. Um, on the 34-yard Devontae Smith touchdown. Uh, Miles Sanders, he motioned from left to right, and it forced the Tennessee – it forced Tennessee's defense to spread their cover four. And Tyree Jackson, he had the crossing route that forced the safety to come down. And then that left – that left Devontae Smith with a one-on-one because Kevin Byard, at that point, he had to account for the pass – that the pass-heavy side, the, you know, the strong side of the formation – so, you know, it, 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 it just speaks on how the Philadelphia Eagles have been using misdirection, motion, you know, how they've been how they've been manipulating the defense. It just speaks on how creative Shane Steichen has been and Nick Sirianni as well. Um, earlier, we spoke about the injuries 
And one injury that stands out to me right now that's going to affect this game tremendously is Saquon Barkley. And I spoke about it, I want to say, I spoke about it yesterday. Uh, I, was, I was speaking with Jordy Mack, and I mentioned the neck injury. And some people didn't think, some people didn't think much of it. When I hear a neck injury, my antennas go up immediately. So now, right at this point, he's questionable to play in this game. They, they're saying he's a game-time decision. How, how impactful is that loss, or how impactful can that loss be for the New York Giants in this game, given the fact that they're already limited offensively? Oh, I mean, you know, it's, he's their best player. I mean, he is their offense in a lot of ways. Um, everything goes off Saquon Barkley. Um, so, I mean, if they, if they don't have Saquon Barkley, that, that affects them. <laughs> I, I can't even talk about it, uh, uh, how much it affects them. You know, Matt Breida would be the backup. He's got some speed, but uh, it's not nearly – uh, the player Saquon during their six and one start was having, you know, an all pro level season. He's come kind of came come down back to earth like the rest of the team has a little bit in and since then. But I mean, it, this is their Derrick Henry. This is their Jonathan Taylor. And I think it was. I think it's ironic if you look at this portion of the schedule. Everybody was, um, you know wringing their hands, clutching their pearl. How, how are they going to stop Jonathan Taylor? How are they going to stop Derrick Henry? How are they going to stop Saquon Barkley? In a Fair lot of ways, I think it's, I, I think it's been a respite for the Eagles. I really do. Uh, because what happened on the back end is they lost Avante Maddox. Now, hopefully Avante, I expect him to be activated today by four o'clock. I expect him to play tomorrow. But they lost Devontae in Houston, um, and then they lost uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the in the Green Bay game. And all of a sudden, they have these big holes in the secondary, and people haven't noticed them for the most part. Reed Blankenship, undrafted rookie, playing great um, as a backup. Josiah Scott gave up some plays in Indy in Houston, but – Hasn't really, you know, he's he's held down the fort to where you don't say, oh, that's a disaster. Part of the reason why is because this respite of teams can't throw the football. So they can't take advantage of Josiah Scott. They can't take advantage of Reed Blankenship. So in a lot of ways, it's been a respite. And that'll be the case again this week with the Giants. Even with Saquon, Saquon Barkley, they don't throw the football that effectively the best receiver is Darius Slayton. So it's just interesting that what looked on paper, that's what happens in the NFL a lot. What looks on paper like a problem turns out it's helped the Eagles get through this sort of stretch. And hopefully they get Avante Maddox back tomorrow, as I said, and then CJ is eligible to come back on January 1st. So it's still going to be a while for him. But if you look ahead, Chicago, can't throw the football, can't throw it. And then you have Dallas, which can, the one game on Christmas Eve. It's been a nice little respite, and I didn't think people thought that was going to be the way it was going to go for the Eagles. Yeah, you bring up a good point, the fact that they became thin in the DB room, but yet they had a stretch of teams that really weren't known for throwing the ball. I mean, even the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, they've been running significantly more, trying to take pressure off him and yeah. knowing their knowing their limitations at wide receiver. So it's so ironic that 
they lost Avante Maddox. They lost C.J. Garner-Johnson. Stars they, are aligning. That's what I'm the, saying. The stars, stars are, aligning. are aligning. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, a guy you brought up that's just been taking the city by storm these past couple games is Reed Blankenship, a guy that's shown an ability to be an asset rather than a liability. And you can make an argument that the Philadelphia Eagles' run defense has improved not because of him, but he gives them a, 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 sure, a surer tackler than, than C.J. Gardner-Johnson uh, in the backfield, um, especially when guys potentially get to that second level or when guys try to attack the edge or to bound you when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles defense. Um, speak on that. And has do you believe Reed Ship has had um, a pretty decent impact in run defense in comparison to a C.J. Gardner-Johnson? Well, I, I think he's a better tackle. I mean, that's the weakness of CJ's game. Uh, you know, he's not really a, a safety. Um, he's a nickel corner move to safety. Uh, and, and, you know, the Eagles did a, a good job sort of evaluating that and, and thinking about that move and saying, all right, this guy can play safety, at least modern safety. Uh, and he leads uh, the NFL in interceptions still. Um, so that's the weakness of his game. Now, interestingly enough, I mean, Reed is a pure, um, post safety, free safety. He's a covered safety. He was a covered safety at middle Tennessee state. I think people don't realize that a lot of people, um, and they think of him as a box safety for whatever reason, not a box safety, never been a box safety. Um, he's a better coverage player then run support player um, and the film pretty, pretty much uh, uh, backs that up. He's been much better in coverage than, than run support, but he's better than Chauncey um, in run support, or he has been, you know, it's a very small sample size, one and a half games essentially, but he's played great. Um, I think pro football focus had him as their best player defensive player against green bay their best defensive player against green bay wow think about think about that against tennessee he was number two behind tj edwards and that's it that's your sample size now again you mentioned typically you think green bay aaron Rodgers, they can challenge and they did with the christian watson play and that was his one bad play although that was marcus epps getting beat on the coverage uh for people who didn't realize and Marcus was the one who got beaten coverage. Reed just took a bad angle as the post safety, as the free safety. That's what he does. Um, and, and he learned from that, but that's a really fast player. It's not the first guy that uh, Christian Watson um, has destroyed an angle on and he won't be the last. Um, he's been great, but I, I hesitate because Again, they've been playing teams that can't challenge him. So it, it, you get to Dallas, that's going to be the test. That's going to be the test for this team in so many ways because it's, A, Dallas is really good, just like the Eagles. The game is in Arlington. It's on Christmas Eve, third of, of three consecutive road games. A lot of things going against the Eagles in that one. And you can bet they'll try to take advantage of Breed Blankenship. We'll see if he can hold up. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, there are other injuries uh, as well, but the Philadelphia Eagles team that um, people people would love to have some insight on. We know Quez Watkins hurt his shoulder in the previous game against Tennessee. Kaiser White was dealing with the ankle, and they were limited earlier this week. Um, can you provide any updates on those guys? Yeah, um, Quez and Kaiser are playing. Um, no injury designation, so they're good to go. Um, Sean Bradley's out, um, so uh, that's a concern. He's one of their key guys on special teams and it's going to be interesting really uh, quickly could they elevate christian ellis yeah i expect him to again because he played so well um against uh tennessee um and without sean bradley yeah i'm almost guaranteeing they're going to elevate christian ellis they have two more so um expect that today expect Devontae maddox uh to be activated and put on the uh, 53 man roster. I expect him to play. Um, so good news pretty much on the injury front, but on special teams, um, they had a good game against Tennessee. Can they show more consistency? Can they show, and they don't need to be great. Like this is the, I would, this is the third ranked offense, the second ranked defense. They don't need to be top five like the offense and defense. What they need to be is middle of the road. That's all you need. And last week they were they were in that category. They played well. They got to do that more consistently from week to week. Yeah, you spoke on the special teams. They had their best game against Tennessee. And so many players made plays. Jack Stowe had a big tackle. Christian Ellis uh, had a big tackle. You know, they kind of set the tone a bit, right? And being able to maintain that, especially at this stretch in the season, you, the last thing you want is for your special teams to be the reason why you lose games. We saw what happened to Green yeah. Bay when they went to San Fran. You don't want that. Fran. You don't want to go 15-2 and two and lose a playoff game because of special teams. That would be catastrophic. That's essentially what happened in Green Bay. Um, they completely dominated San Francisco, um, but they weren't able. This bad weather game, if you remember, at Lambeau. Uh, they weren't able to punch things in offensively. Uh, they were clearly the better team. And they had a bad special teams unit, and they get a block punt, they lose the game. Wow. That's that's a disaster. So that's what the Eagles are trying to avoid. And, you know, we, we saw one game of Christian Ellis, so I don't want to call him Matthew Slater at this point, but – he was really good. He was really good. And if he shows that he's one of those types of guys that can make a difference on special teams, right? you got to put him on the 53. You got to. Absolutely. You know, this game against the Giants, it has its own share of narratives. You know, James Bradbury, James Bradbury makes his return to MetLife. Jalen Hurts makes his infamous return to MetLife. We all know how that happened for him last time. Um, throwing three interceptions, going 14 for 31, and the Eagles losing 13 to 7. That was Jalen Hurts easily, easily that was Jalen Hurts' worst game of his career. <laughs> you know, speak on speak on the narratives attached to his game because again, the Philadelphia Eagles have had several games this year that have had their own storylines attached. AJ Brown with Tennessee, um, the Minnesota Vikings, you know, trading Jalen Rager there, then also Justin Jefferson. 
um, the Carson Wentz factor with the commanders early on in the season, the Doug Peterson game. The Philadelphia Eagles have been conquering narrative after narrative after narrative throughout this entire season, and I fully expect them to continue this trend. But, um, you know, can you expand on just James Bradbury's return, his impact for the Philadelphia Eagles, and also Jalen Hurts and how he's looking for redemption at MetLife? Well, James, it's been great. Um for the Eagles, but he doesn't care. <laughs> I told you, he does not care. He does not care. It's not a revenge game for him. He's still got a ton of friends. You know, that's an interesting thing about this rivalry. You know, I joked about it on Birds 365, you know, for us old school NBA fans, you know, you go back to the days where <clears throat> Julius Irving was strangling Larry Bird on the court. Um, uh, they hated each other. The Sixers and the Celtics hated each other. Um, and then one day you woke up and Magic Johnson's kissing Isaiah Thomas at midcourt and everybody's friends. And I don't know where it went, but that's kind of where we are with the Giants. Nick Sirianni loves Brian Dayball and vice versa. Uh, they have a tremendous relationship dating back to when they were in Kansas City together. Brian Dayball gave Nick Sirianni his first uh, positional coaching job. Um, <clears throat> Brian Dayball loves Jalen Hurts and vice versa. They were together at Alabama. Um, there's a tremendous amount of respect uh, between uh, these two organizations, and you know, in Bradbury's case. I think it's ironic because if he were on the Giants too, and he knows this, you know, they have Wink Martindale. All they do is play single high press coverage and blitz. He'd probably be having the worst year of his life in that defense. Um, in this defense, um, Jonathan Gannon's, you, you have, you know, the cover two looks and you spin off the quarters or cover – Maybe it is cover two, maybe it's cover six, maybe it's cover eight. He's the best zone cornerback in football. It's the perfect fit for him. He knows it. Uh, and he knows if he was in New York, he wouldn't be having this type of season. Um, he also realizes it's not that Brian Dayball or Joe Shane or Wink Martindale didn't like him. They couldn't afford him because of the previous GM. Left a disaster from a salary cap standpoint. So it's not like AJ. AJ was really upset with Tennessee, really wanted to stay, was really upset that they didn't offer him a market value contract. Um, he wanted revenge. James Bradbury doesn't care. Uh, he knows he's he landed in a great situation. He knows he's having a career season. He knows he's going to have an opportunity to get back to free agency and make a lot of money, uh, and he's having a career season. So he's been great for the Eagles, but he wouldn't be great for the Giants. So anybody saying, well, he, he would be not good in the defense they run. So I think a lot of people look at it and say it's a vacuum, and Bradbury's been great here. He'd be great for the Giants. No, they play two different schemes. He's his own corner. He's where he should be, and he's having a great season. Great, great season. Yeah, you know, James Bradbury, he's in a situation with the Philadelphia Eagles that's really optimal for his game. And I know this is looking forward um, well beyond this game and this season because we have a long way to go. But do you think that may um, give the Eagles 
some level of leverage and saying, hey, look, this you had you had your best year here with us in this defense. You know, we want to bring you back. You know, can we work something out? You know, what are the odds of that happening? Well, we talked to James about that this week, and he said winning's important because he hasn't won a lot in Carolina. He was a very good player in Carolina, didn't win a lot. A very good player in New York, didn't win a lot. So it's important to him, but he also realizes he's 29. This is his last chance to get that big money contract um, pretty much. So he, he, he said, you know, it's a part of it. Uh, but it's a business, and that's what he kept saying. Um, and ultimately, he, he knows his value, uh, and it's going to be really difficult for the Eagles to keep him. But, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, you know, ironically, if they win the Super Bowl, I think that hurts him because he's already got the ring. Um, if he wins – then I would almost guarantee he's going to the highest bidder. Um, if not, we'll see how it shakes out. But he's enjoying the season, like everybody. It's 11 and 1. <laughs> 11 and 1. It's kind of hard That's, not to enjoy that ride, yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, something I want to talk about you talk about with you as well before we get out of here. Um, I want to talk about the Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones dynamic and how they've been able to take their game to another level. Obviously, they've worked hard throughout the offseason. We know Jalen Hurts has been working with Tom House. I'm not exactly sure what Daniel Jones uh, has done, but I'm pretty sure, just to give him the benefit of the doubt, I'm pretty sure he's worked on his game in the offseason. But, but Daniel, you can make an argument. Daniel Jones' success thus far is directly attributed to Brian Dayball's ability to put him in the most optimal situations. You think about Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, and the Shane Stockton effect, and Brian Johnson, they've created this offense that allows Jalen Hurts to maximize what he does well and also leaves room for Jalen Hurts to continue to get better as a passer. You know, they are RPO-style offense, but you, you're starting to see, especially in that Tennessee game, you're starting to see Jalen Hurts operate the passing game away from the RPO. So, you know, can you just speak on just the impact Brian <laughs> Dayball and Nick Sirianni, those guys, the coaching staff, can you speak on the impact the respective coaching staffs have had on their respective quarterbacks in Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones? Well, uh, yeah, Brian Brian Dayball, I mean, he had an impact on Jalen Hurts. He was, as I mentioned, he was with Jalen uh, 2018, 2017, I think, at Alabama. His second season, his sophomore season. Um, so it was interesting. Uh, Jalen went from Lane Kippen to Brian Dayball to uh, – uh, the coach of Maryland, I forget his name. I think it's Loxley, Brian Loxley. Um, and then obviously Lincoln Riley, uh, Doug Peterson, yeah, up, up to Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen. Uh, until he got to the Eagles, different play caller um, every single year from the day he got to Alabama uh, till the uh, day Nick Sirianni really the day Nick Sirianni gave Shane Steichen the play calling, which was before the Chargers game last year. Um, and this is the first time since he was with his dad in high school, he's had uh, the same play caller uh, for two consecutive years. Uh, so, you know, continuity is a big part of Jalen Hurts. Uh, but, man, if you're a young quarterback and you get to be around Lane Kippen, and Brian Dayball 
and Lincoln Riley and Doug Peterson and now Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, even if you're with them for a short time to pick their brains, and that's what Jalen has done. But you look at Daniel Jones. Guy was a turnover machine his first three years. And Brian gets here and give Mike Kapka credit as well. He doesn't turn the football over now. Um, and remember, you know, I just, you know, Brian had a hand in developing Jalen Hurts at the college level. He, the reason he's the head coach of the New York Giants is because of what he did with Josh Allen in Buffalo. Um, and now you have by far the best season for Daniel Jones in his pro career with Brian Dayball. That's not a coincidence. None of that is a coincidence. These are, all those names are, I mentioned are really good offensive coaches, really good with quarterbacks. So I have to ask, especially when it comes to Jalen Hurts, I think I was talking to uh, Jeff Mosher about this yesterday with, with Jody on Birds 365. I asked him, you know, what's Jalen Hurts' ceiling right now? Because it, it doesn't seem, at least right now, to be in sight. You know, we we know what he is currently, but we just don't know. We, we don't know what he's not. You know, we don't know what. He, he's been playing at a level that just continues to that just continues to elevate and elevate and elevate and you know win these games in so many different ways and just show an ability to command the offense and he's such a smart and intuitive player. You know, from your perspective, what's Jalen Hurts' ceiling? Do you think he has a ceiling right now? Is is he barely scratching the surface of this thing? Yeah, that's a tough question. You know, Nick gets asked this question all the time, and he says, "I I don't know, but he's going to reach it." Um, you know, if he already reached it, that's fine. If this is it, I mean, that's, you know, this is an MP, MVP level quarterback. Um, but I do think people need to understand 11 and one doesn't happen every day, every year, every week. You know, this is a tremendous supporting cast. He has the best offensive line in football. He has tremendous receivers. He's got a top five tight end when he's healthy. So if you're asking me what his ceiling is, he could be here three years from now and be playing better, but the team might be seven and four. Is that the real gauge? Is that the real barometer, like what he'll be able to do? Because once he gets paid, this team is going to get stripped down. That's just the reality. Well, exactly. So, you know, if you're talking about public perception, you know, to me, the greatest, and I say this all the time, the greatest regular season quarterback of all time is is Peyton Manning. And, and the reason I say that is because, you know, when Peyton was with Indianapolis and um, also early, you know, before the wheels kind of fell off uh, in Denver, but he had the great season uh, the 50 touchdown season, um, the consistency from year to year. So as a rookie, he struggled, right? And I think they were three and 13. Then they had one losing season. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to bring it up. One, two, I'm counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 consecutive seasons one losing season 
of of those 15 seasons. Uh, the Colts, remember, they played 16 games. The Colts and or Broncos won 12 or more. So you're talking about 12 and 4, 13 and 3, to a high of 14 and 2. They won 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 times. <laughs> 11 times. With Indy from 2003 to 2009, every single year they won at least 12 games <laughs> jesus <laughs> every single oh year. my gosh that's dominance for you that that to me is the measuring stick and the regular then you talk about playoffs and tom brady and you know he's just on another level but that that is you know we we already saw it with Carson Wentz right everybody thought he was the guy he's going to be the guy forever in perpetuity doesn't work like it's hard people adjust it's hard so to me it's about the consistency um, but it's also about the team as well and Peyton Manning will be the first to tell you that you know Marvin Harrison Edger and James Jeff Saturday. Um, they had a lot of good players. Yeah, um, Joseph Adai, you know, Marvin Harrison, you know, Reggie Wayne, they had some players. They had a lot of good Dallas players. Dallas Clark, yeah. So it's not all about the quarterback. But, and that's why I say 11 and 1, enjoy it while you're here. Uh, there's a lot of people contributing to that, but none more so than Jalen Hurts. If this is his ceiling, that's good enough. Yeah, you 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 bring up good points. You know, as we start to close out the show, you know, there are, you know, again, there are some things going on with this game. The weather is going to be really bad, apparently. I think there's like an 80% chance of rain. Of um course. The, the Giants have <laughs> their plethora of injuries. They're gonna they're gonna be without Adoree Jackson. I believe they're gonna be without Leonard Williams. Um, potentially Saquon Barkley that's still up in the air. Um, they're just dealing with injuries from top to bottom on all on both sides of the ball. In various positions. So this is going to be a really tough game for them to manage. Um, I think the Eagles pretty much dominated this game from beginning to end. I think it gets out of hand pretty early. Um, my score prediction for this game is 38-17. Um, what's your project uh, what's your <laughs> prediction for this game, John? John? I, I think I had it at 31-18. 37 is tough. I you know, they scored five touchdowns consecutive yeah. games. Uh, you know, they're playing at such a high level. Uh it is a road game, it is a division game. Crazy things tend to happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when the Giants are at full strength, they don't have enough bullets to deal with this team. I mean, they're <laughs> they're talent deficient at this point. Not their fault. It's a new GM, and they're just starting on the road to rebuilding the roster. They're overachieving. You know, yeah. Two years from now, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau might be one of the best edge rushers in football, and, Evan Neal might, you know, create these great bookends when Andrew Thomas is already playing well. Um, and we might have be having a different conversation. But right now, the Eagles got all the bullets, man. The Giants are, you know, Brian Dayball even talked about it. They're not Brian Dayball said they're not playing the Pro Bowl this year because they cut the Pro Bowl out, thankfully. We, we don't have to watch that. Uh 
but they are playing the Pro Bowl in Philly because everybody's a Pro Bowler, basically. So <laughs> this team's loaded. They're loaded on both sides of the football. I'm talking about the Eagles. Uh, and they're healthy for the most part. Uh, Dallas Goddard, you know, it's a couple guys, CJ. Um, but compared to the Giants, I I don't. It would be ha- it would have to be very similar to last year when Jalen had his worst game. I think it was twelve of maybe fourteen of thirty one. Yep, three interceptions. Three interceptions. Yeah. Um, it would it would have to be similar to that. But Jalen Hurts is not that player. He's not I I just don't see that regression happening. Um, yeah, I don't see a path for the for the Giants. Yeah, so just just to confirm. We're locking you in at 31-17, correct? 18, 31-18. I'm sorry, 31-18, excuse me. I have the Eagles winning 38-17. So you guys heard it here first. John McMullen has gave you guys his prediction. He gave you guys his analysis. This Philadelphia Eagles team is one of the harder teams to deal with in the NFL. In my opinion, they're the best team in the NFL. In John's, in John's opinion, same thing. It, it's at this point in the season – and I guess let this be the final question, John. At, you know, we're at that 40 minute mark. I'm going to close this out with this final question really quickly. Is have the Eagles entered that territory as a team that at this point, the only way they lose a game is if they beat themselves? Um, against most teams, yeah, there are certain teams. Uh, people hate when I say this, but Dallas, Dallas is a good football team. Um, Kansas City. Uh, Buffalo, Cincinnati on the AFC side. Um, they're good football to San Francisco, despite losing uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, and they're down to Brock Purdy. They can even beat you defensively. They're good. They're good. There are, there are good football teams that could beat the Eagles if they don't have their A game. Um, the Giants are not one of them. The, the Commanders are not one of them. For teams like the Giants and Commanders, you already saw it with Washington. For them to beat the Eagles, the Eagles have to beat themselves. Hey, that's what I like to hear, man. The Philadelphia Eagles are eleven and one right now, you guys, and I think they're going to be twelve and none, uh, twelve and one come uh, Sunday evening. So you guys have been locked in on football twenty four seven with John McMullen. I'm your guy Tony. Just the second. Make sure you guys continue to stay engaged on the content. Continue to smash that like button. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. And make sure you guys check out the articles written by John McMullen, Joe Santillaquito, and Paul Domowich on jkibsports.com. Once again, you guys are locked in and have been locked in on football 24-7 with your guy, John McMullen, your Eagles insider, John McMullen. And I'm the super producer, Tone DeSilis II. Take care, you guys. One love, stay humble, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay hungry. And fly goes fly.